If you have your Bible, go to John uh, 3 and 4. We're going to look at two encounters this morning. Uh, But we're in week four of a series called Love My Neighbor. And just to catch you up on what we've been talking about, we are trying to see this popular phrase that, I mean, comes from Jesus, but it's in the culture. We should love our neighbor. But we realize Jesus said, to summarize the whole Bible, love God with everything, heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But that sounds simple to do and realizing, wow, it's a little more layered to live out. And so week one, we looked at what love is to Jesus. What does it mean to really love people? Uh, Then we looked the week after that on who is my neighbor? And hopefully it was a little bit shocking how Jesus widens out who he calls the people that we're called to receive and care for. And then last week, we started what we're going to do over the next few weeks is looking at uh, how we live this out. So last week we saw love is like a meal, and Jesus uh, gives us the way. If we just took more time eating, yes, I just, period. If we took more time eating with people, if we made an occasion, not like a 30-minute block lunch, sometimes you have to do that, but if we look for an hour and a half with someone to hear their story and find out what's going on and relax, all sorts of good can come out of it. And then this week, we're going to look at the next dimension of how we live out the life of love. In order to do that, we've been doing interviews every week with people in our church who are living this way. And so I want you to welcome to the stage, Jeremy and Ramanita are going to come and, yeah, give them a better woo. Yes. So they're going to come and and just share a little bit, all close and huggy and all that stuff. Here we go. Good morning. And so, good morning. Yeah, we all get they to... woke up a little bit I know, more I know. Me, you, yeah. you have it. I don't. <laughs> uh, so, okay, I know you both, but let's just start with the basics. How did the two of you meet? It wasn't, it wasn't because of living, to get, living in the same area. It was because... Yeah, so um, I w- I'm from New York. I went yeah. to school in D.C. What part of New York? Washington Heights. Okay, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah Brooklyn, yeah. Park Slope. Here all we the, go. All that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like excited when I found you and you were like Puerto Rican from New York. I was like, Do you oh. speak Spanish? I'm not Okay, I don't. Okay, there you go. No, oh, okay, yeah. okay. It's right. I'll be a translator. I'm like, I'm like Google Translate. What you saying? Um, but uh, so I was, I'm from New York. I was going to school in D.C. I was praying with my pastor my senior year um, about uh, working at Nike post-graduation. And he introduced me to this guy uh, who introduced me to some other people that kind of opened up the doors for me to come here. And a month after I started at Nike, this guy joined my team. The guy, the guy that, intru- that introduced me to some people was his brother. And so oh. uh, I didn't like him at first. Like we, yeah. we were just friends. We were both in relationships. And then after a while, uh, she fell in love. <laughs> yes. And that's, that's, I think it's important that the truth comes out. So honestly, who, who had the first, like, hmm, who, who was it? She definitely did. She did? Which, is that true? Uh, it was a secret. It was a secret. Yeah. However, I feel you, like God it, whispered it a little bit the first time I met him, but then he was the meanest person I ever met. And I was like, no, God, no. Okay. <laughs> so, At the time, I was in a relationship, so I was I being was too, respectful. Though. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll have to work this out off the stage, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you're together. How long have you been married now? September. We got married. September. So, which is exciting. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So... You, are you, you're both still at Nike, right? Yes. And what, what do both of you do? Um, so I do brand marketing for Nike basketball um, okay. for North America. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah, just a small thing. Yeah. Nike basketball, <laughs> North America. And anyway. I do uh, brand marketing for North America initiatives. So I work on like our equality campaign, um, International Women's Day, Black History Month, Latino Heritage Month, things like that. That just are marketing right. with a purpose. So. All right, so yeah. you know, you're just selling shoes and she's taking care of... Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. I'm giving right. back to the communities the that we take yes. the money from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> All right, important question right now in your house. Who has more shoes with a swoosh? Yes, <laughs> Nike basketball. He right. Does. You got to buy what you're selling. And, I told um, you I like the high heels. I know, but who has more <laughs> shoes total? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Washington Heights. I used to have like a rule, like every time I got a pair of sneakers, I had to get a pair of heels too. Ooh, so, so, bounce. Yeah. Obviously, bounce. <laughs> bounce. bounce it's adjust called an addiction. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but you also serve here at the church. So what, what do you both do? Because you both are, are serving our community. So I do morning setup. So yep. chairs and other rooms and setting it up in the morning. Yeah, so, and yeah, and this rotation, is it a couple times a Every week? Every other week. Every other week, yeah. so, you know, you can have a corporate job and, and oversee North American basketball and set up a chair. So, hint, <laughs> hint, hint, hint. And then, Romanito, what do I, you I do? deal with their kids. Uh, there you go. Deal with so, them. <laughs> so, love, love her, because she's loving your kids. Yeah. That's cool. Now, through Nike, you're both involved in not just your work, but you're, you're giving back. So maybe give us a bit of that, of how you've been involved in the community and how that translates to loving our neighbor. For sure. So I think I shared this in the first, uh, first service, but yeah. one of our first times hanging out, uh, like outside of work, um, I lost my keys. And I was heading to my mentorship yeah, program. Yeah, this is such a good and lost my keys moment. Yeah, I was headed to this mentorship program. And I was like, hey, I'll cook you dinner if you can drive me, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but we do this program called Nike Product Creation Experience. So it started in 2011, I believe, or maybe okay. earlier. And um, we partner with this. It used to be a charter school, but now um, it, is, it, does, uh, it partners with pub Portland Public High Schools to do after school programming. Um, and we take 30 kids, high school, so ages, uh, I mean grades 9 through 12, and we put them through a curriculum. So they start in January, finish in May, and they basically create an entire product line based on a brief we give them. They create an entire marketing plan, and then at the end of the program, they present to executive leadership at Nike, um, and then go on to a cultural immersion trip at the end. So we pick different cities to take them to. to so them. cool. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's in North, North Portland? Northeast Portland, Northeast yes. Portland. Mm -hmm. It's and called Self Enhancement Inc. Self Enhancement. So mm -hmm. And it's just fun to be able to give back. And then maybe give us one story, Jeremy, on, on a student, how they've been impacted over the years of just investing in their life. Yep. So, um, first year being a part of the program, um, I uh, probably got a little closer with one kid, and he was, um, he just had a lot of challenges, like uh, within school and then at home as well. Um, but you could see the potential in him. Um, throughout that whole year, we we're preparing for our final presentation, and they, like she was saying, they present to all of Nike executives. And uh, this was probably the one kid we were a little worried about. Didn't really take it seriously throughout the year. Got on stage and blew everybody away. He was probably the standout of um, everyone in the program, which was about 30 kids. Um, to fast forward to his senior year this past year, I actually wasn't going to do the program. Um, I actually did it because of him. I felt like it was his senior year, so um, it was an obligation to um, him that uh, I be a part of the program. And I kind of challenged myself just to be a little more of a mentor than I have been in the past. Yeah. Um, and he took a leadership role on his team. 
um, and he grew more than I think anyone would have expected him to. And at the finale, uh, his team actually won. Um, our, team, our team too. Yeah. We coached them together. Our team. <laughs> his team. They had good helpers. They had good coaches. A few helpers. Yeah. Um, so his team actually won. Um, he got on stage after, and he just talked about how without that program, he probably wouldn't have graduated high school. And it was wow. the influence of everybody in the program that really helped and drove him um, to succeed in high school, and he'll be going to college in fall. Um, so that was just an amazing piece. But I think even bigger than that is um, for his final speech, being one of the seniors, um, he got up there and he was just saying, how appreciative he was and that one day in the future he will be working at Nike as well. And one of the judges this year was the head of all design at Nike and he was actually still on the stage behind him. He said, yes, you will. So yeah. that confirmation wow. for the kid and just hearing that and knowing that this kid has a bright future um, was made everything worth it the last four oh, years. So good, isn't that great? Thank you guys. Go, fi go figure out your shoe thing, and we'll, we'll grab, you can take that down, grab, grab lunch later. You know, it's, it's cool, thank you, Romanita, and who has a few nicknames, don't you? There's, there's Ramo, there's Titi, there's everything else. So just call her, say, hey, yo, watching the nights. Um, but it's just cool to see people that are in your church that, you know, they're helping here, they're serving your kids, they're, they're serving you as you walk in. And they're also involved in the lives of other people. And I think that's a great setup for what we're going to see today from, from John chapters 3 and 4. And just to get your mind thinking, we're going to read a lot because they're super familiar stories. But sometimes when they're so familiar, you don't even think about what you're reading. So let's start with, with John 3 and the story of Nicodemus. And then we're going to look at the story of the Samaritan woman. But I, I want to look in particular to how Jesus engages people in conversation. Because I think what you're hearing uh, from Jeremy and Ramanita is that spending time with people can make a difference, right? And for them, they're just using their, they're both in brand marketing and they're just helping take their tools and their trade and pour into the life of a younger person. Well, Jesus has an amazing way of taking the truth of God and making it real to people. And we want to be those kind of people. So John 3 verse 1. It says there was a Pharisee, uh, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one could see the kingdom of God unless, in this phrase, they are born again. Uh, we've probably heard many of us this before. I want us just to capture who Jesus is talking to He's talking to Nicodemus, another guy. That makes sense. Guys talking with the guys in their culture. And they're both Bible teachers. Nicodemus is on, uh, on the Jewish ruling council. That means he knows his Bible well. And Jesus knows his Bible well. Uh, notice that they come, he comes to him at night, and he's already seen what Jesus has been doing. So he's acquainted with who Jesus is. And, and he asks this this. this you know, Jesus, no one's like you. If, if, if you weren't part of the kingdom of God, you wouldn't have this kind of power. And Jesus starts there and flips it and says, hey, you can't even see the kingdom unless you're born again. All right. Now go to John 4, just a couple of paragraphs over. And I want to start the encounter that Jesus has with a lady. Now Jesus, verse 1, learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples 
than John, although in fact it wasn't Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So Jesus is now walking. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? All, we're not going to get into all the details, but I want us to see the contrast of both of these scenarios because they're telling. John's gospel, like there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all writing with a particular agenda. They want to share the Jesus narrative, his life and his work, but they go at it in different ways. And John, he doesn't give us all of the background and all that Jesus did. He gives us a few things and he focuses really deep because he's got a very clear purpose. He says, and I think it's John 20, that I'm writing that you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm writing to people who haven't met Jesus so they'll know who he is and follow him. And so what he does is he, he collides a few stories and a few miracles and he, and, he, and he pulls the theme together. So it is interesting that John writes three and four. What do you see in contrast? You see Jesus talking to a guy. Jesus talking to a lady. Jesus talking to a ruling leader, a person of influence. Jesus talking to someone who's obscure. What's her name? He doesn't even say. Nicodemus gets named, not her. Those contrasts are important. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Jesus encounters a woman in the middle of the day, in the middle of the heat. Um, One's a leader, one's an outcast. All of these contrasts, I think, are leading us towards something of how Jesus lives like a neighbor. What does it mean to love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself? It's these contrasting stories that give us insight into how Jesus lived so that we who believe will now turn and live like the one we follow. What does it mean for us to live like a neighbor? Uh, we're, we're supposed to love God and love people. What does love look like? This week I want you to write this down. Love looks like a conversation. What we need to remember is love and loving our neighbor, it looks like, last week we saw it looked like food. It looks like a meal. It looks like time. It looks like inviting people in. Today I want us to see that love leads to conversation. Real love, living like a neighbor, means you and I get the privilege, like Jesus, to engage with people where they're at and bring them along. So you know the end of both stories. In the end, Jesus gets to the heart of where they are and tells them the truth about their life, about God, and where they can go in their future. So for us, love looking like a conversation means we're going to have to learn how to stop. We're going to have to learn how to listen and then we're going to have to learn how to talk with people in ordinary ways. Jesus has a way of taking big things and making them accessible to everyone. And we'll see it as we look at both uh, encounters. Okay, love looks like a conversation. Three things we're going to learn about conversations, particularly spiritual conversations with people. And then four ways we can live them out. Three plus four is... Okay, just checking if you know math. All right, that's nothing to do with anything. Number one, first thing we need to remember, spiritual conversations are often unplanned. I want us to get this. We see it in both of these encounters. Spiritual conversations, things, conversations about things that matter, about that are personal, not just your sports team, not just the weather, not what are you doing this weekend, but go up into the soul. They're often unplanned. Both scenarios, same thing. Jesus, it's at night. 
I'm assuming he's been working all day and traveling and teaching and doing Jesus stuff. And at night, how open are you at night to someone talking to you about things that matter? I think about the end of your day. How open are you? What do most of us want to do at the end of a work day? We want to step back, right? That's why we have screens. Uh, we want to eat a little meal and I just want to be, and there's nothing wrong with getting alone and doing something that feeds you. I mean, you, you need to be energized, right? So if alone in a book or whatever, or a show or games re-energizes you, fantastic. But are you interruptible? Are you available? Because Jesus at the end of the day is available to, to Nicodemus. Now, Samaritan, different scenario. Jesus is tired. Are you ready for the unplanned when you're just kind of drained. You know, if you got little ones at home, that's like all the time. You know, a mom with a young one or a dad with a young one. How open are you to other people when you've just depleted yourself? Jesus says, wait, it's, it's hot. And I've been to Israel. At noon, you do not want to be outside. And Jesus is out by a well. No one else is there. That's a clue to us. It's too hot. Everyone else is smart. Jesus is by the well. His disciples are in town to get food. And he's open to spend time with this woman. And he's willing to really break some social rules. Those of you who know the background, uh, Jesus is a male teacher. And they're not going to spend time alone with a woman. That would look inappropriate. And then he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan. Culturally, they really don't get along. Both have an attitude against each other culturally. Uh, and Jesus is willing to break all that and spend time with her. If we're going to grow in loving our neighbor, it's going to involve being ready for the unplanned, which sounds like an oxymoron. We just need to, in our soul, tell ourselves loving people means when they're ready, I become ready. That's what it means to follow the way of Jesus. Second thing I want you to write down is spiritual conversations are often inconvenient. They're often inconvenient. They, they, they hit us at times that it's not going to be best for us. But notice what Jesus doesn't do in either scenario. He didn't say, hey, look, I got three assistants, you know, Peter, James, and John. Why don't you hit them up? You know, they'll get a number and they'll get back to you in a couple of weeks when I'm ready. I can, you know, I've got some time for you. No, Jesus is available and he's there when it's not convenient for him. He's tired. He's hungry. It's late at night. And yet he's willing to spend time listening and talking. I, um, I remember some years ago I was preaching in Albania. And, and it was a series of events, 20-some-odd events in a week. And so every day, just like at night, I'm just retooling for the next day. And you go, go, go. And so we spent one day in a town where I wasn't even staying there at night. Literally three events. And then at night, drove on to the next town. And so we woke up super early, got there for a morning leader's breakfast, spoke at that, shared the message of Jesus, and then jumped, we walked over to another side of town and went to a restaurant for lunch and met like business people during the lunch hour, shared the message of Jesus. And I noticed a guy had been at both, breakfast and lunch. So he introduced himself to me after lunch. And he's like, I heard you this morning. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you. And I didn't repeat myself. So it was legit. I was, I was okay. You know, two different messages. And... So he tells me a little bit of a story. My name's Max. Oh, Max, well, you know, tell me what you thought of what you heard so far. He's like, well, I'm not a very good Muslim. Oh, okay. He's like, oh, you're not a good Muslim. Most of the people in the area are either agnostic, just don't believe in anything, or Muslim. And so I'm like, 
well, what makes for a good Muslim? What makes for a bad Muslim? You, you tell me. So we started a conversation. Everyone else is going around us, finally at the tap. We got to go on to the next event. It's like a mid-afternoon pizza event for students. And I'm like engaged in this conversation with Max. And so I'm like, hey, Max, I got to go to this next thing. But would you mind walking? So it wasn't too far. So we're walking down the streets and I'm just talking with Max. His English is great. And he's traveled, lived in the UK. And so we're, we're just talking along and the conversation keeps going. And then it's like, suddenly it's like, okay, the youth event is still going. I'm still talking with Max. The band is playing. I'm still talking with Max. The pizza's been eaten. I'm still talking with Max. And this is very inconvenient. I'm enjoying it. But at the same time, I'm like, I've got message number three. I haven't looked at anything. And I know Jesus, but I'm in a little bit of trouble. And now I want you to introduce you to Jose. Hey, Max, hold on. And I get up and I do my thing and we're done. And then Max is still there, the only non-team, you know, just listen to a third message. Afterwards, we talked for an hour until we finally had Max. I'm actually leaving to another town but it made me realize you never know. I was just showing up to do my thing. Obviously, Jesus had something else going on. In the end, when we left, I thought, how do I keep this going? He seemed like right on the verge of really thinking about following Jesus. I'm like, Max, I got to go, but I'm going to give you my Bible. And I know that giving, in this particular context, giving something that's personal would be like honoring him and well-received. He's like, I cannot take your Bible. I'm like, I'm good. I had nothing else. Like literally, I had nothing else. I was going on to a meeting that I needed my Bible, but, but, but I'm, I'm like, no, I want you to have it. And in the front, I wrote a little note and wrote down some things I wanted him to read. I went to a few pages, circled some things I wanted him to read, and I said, I want you to have my Bible because Jesus is obviously speaking to you, and, and you've heard it three times, and I want you to think about this, and here you go. Now, I share that because none of it was planned and none of it was convenient at the time, and you never know when God's going to open up that kind of thing. Now, for most of us, it's not going to be that quick, that extreme, three events, gone, never see him again. But you never know. I mean, you're traveling, it's summer vacation, you're going camping, you bump into someone who's camping near you, or you're flying somewhere and you're in an airport on a long delay. Rather than yelling at the poor airport workers who have nothing to do with clouds, they have nothing to do with your delay. They're not against you. They're for you. You don't believe that, obviously. But rather, than, maybe we, we can look at those moments and look for opportunities that are, that are unplanned. Third thing I want you to see about spiritual conversations. Yeah, they're, they're, they come out of nowhere. They're unplanned. They're inconvenient. And finally, they thrive with good questions. And this is what I want to focus on. They thrive with good questions. When you read both of the encounters, all of John 3 and 4, and Jesus talking with anyone, all you're getting is a summary. These conversations were longer uh, than, than, than printed. But you're getting the essentials. But notice how Jesus engages with good questions, either making a statement that leads to a question, right? Like, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born again. What? That leads to a question. Well, how can I enter into my mom's womb? Oh, Nicodemus, you don't get what I'm talking about. Or in reverse, sometimes Jesus initiates with a question, like in John 4, we just saw, will you give me something to drink? Which was not just a question about water. He was breaking every rule, saying, you're invited. Let's have a drink. Now, obviously, it wasn't about water. It was about something else. So let's just do this. 
We'll spend the rest of our time finishing the stories and then looking at four things that we can do that are just like Jesus to move along opportunities for people to know the love of God. John 3, we'll look at verse 4. Jesus had said, you know, you must be born again. So look at the, it starts with the question, verse 4. How can, how can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time in their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered. So notice the question leads to an open door. Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless, and here's what born again is, born of water, born of the Spirit. This is new to us, but Nicodemus is already a Jew, Jewish thinker. He's a leader. All Jesus is doing is pointing to the Bible. Bible themes. These aren't new concepts. Bible themes. Nicodemus, you know this. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows whatever it pleases. The Spirit is referred to the wind throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Now, he's leading them, but it's like not being super clear. Well, how can this be? Now, Jesus is able to make it personal. You're Israel's teacher. You don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, we testify to what we've seen, but still you people don't accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things you don't believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who's come from heaven, the Son of Man. Just twist here. So he's leading him along. Gosh, Nicodemus, you should know. Everyone should know. And then he starts quoting Bible themes again. He starts looking at Daniel and the, and, the, and the Son of Man. He's bringing up things Nicodemus would know. This is new to us. This is not new to Nicodemus. That everyone, verse 15, who believes may have eternal life in him. Finally, he becomes crystal clear. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Nicodemus, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. I just want us to think for a second, how did it start? The question, how can someone be born when they are old? And very quickly, Jesus takes this this. I don't understand. And then he ends up with saying that there is one son who's been sent and he hasn't come to condemn. He's come to save and believe in him and Nicodemus, you'll have eternal life. So Jesus is able to start where someone is and bring them along. All right, that's, that's that encounter. Let's look at the next one, John 4. Just flip over back to John 4 and we'll start in verse 8 where we left off. You doing Okay. You're not getting like Bible whiplash or anything like that. Okay, here we go. When a, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And John's giving us the cue because we don't know this. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So it starts with a well, starts with water, and now he, he brings her along. Verse 11, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where are you going to get this, this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Pulling on these little cues here, 
the Jews and the Samaritans disagreed about the trajectory of what it meant to follow God. And so they had the same background, but she's like, they're proud of their well and their father, Jacob, which the Jews would say, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's our fathers. So she's pulling out, are you better than, so you're in, you're in our town and you don't agree with our belief. And so she's pushing the envelope a little bit about uh, uh, to Jesus. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well, drank from himself, as also did his sons and his livestock? In other words, who are you? Jesus answered, well, everyone who drinks this water from Jacob, right, is going to be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So now she's hooked. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to do chores. Right? I don't have to keep coming here to draw it. So nothing deep but very meaningful. He doesn't take her little subtle word about our father Jacob and take offense at it. He just, he just keeps moving along. I've got something that's living. Verse 15, um, verse um, 16. So he told her, go, call your husband and, and come back. I have no husband, she replied, which wasn't a lie. But Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands. The man you're now with, or you have, is not your husband. So what you said is quite True. So now it's going to get personal. Whoa, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Oops. You know, like, okay, water, living water. Well, now this is getting, this is interesting. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. And it's true. They were so divided that there was a place of worship in Samaria when in scripture it was supposed to be in Jerusalem. And they had justified it for all sorts of reasons. So I see that you're from God, but we're not on the same page, okay? So thank you, Jesus, for these words, but we're, we're not together. Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Notice the phrase, a time is coming when you will worship the Father. They're divided on everything. They're not in the same religious zone, but he's saying, oh, no, not like this is the time where I will or my people, you will. There's a time when you're going to worship with the Father. He's recognizing, he's bridging that gap. He's saying, you're invited as well. You'll worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we know, what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. So Jesus lovingly but clearly says, now there's a divide. The Samaritans only accepted the first five books of the Bible and not the prophets and the writings, which were the continual story of God's activity. So Jesus is not, he's not dumbing down what's true, but he's saying it in a loving way. Samaritans are only reading part of God's story, but there's more to God's story. The Jews accepted all, all of those books. So in other words, there's more that you can know. So yeah, the story of salvation is from the Jewish people, not from the Samaritan people. You're only reading a part of it. So he's speaking the truth, but he's doing it lovingly. Verse 23, a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. 
God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit, in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain to us, he'll explain everything to us. So she finds now a point of connection. This is interesting because the Jews were looking forward to, towards Messiah coming. The Samaritans had a different name for it, but believed because of what Moses said. God will raise up another prophet. So they, they were looking for someone as well. I know when that one comes, in other words, he's, this, this person will come, he's going to clear the deck. Like he's going to speak what's true. And oh, wow, she just, she just opened the door. Jesus says, I, the one speaking to you, I'm he. He could have started with, I am Jesus. I know everything about you, repent. And he doesn't. With Nicodemus, he could have jumped, jumped to John 3.16 and made things fast, right? He could have just simply said, God loved the world. No, he takes them along, starts where they are, and moves them. It starts with a question, will you give me a drink? So Jesus knows how to engage with people. What I want to suggest is this is a skill. Doesn't, it's not natural for all people. It's a skill we can learn to, to communicate and have conversations with people that open the door for them to think more about Jesus. Same thing happens in both encounters. They both end the same. Both are invited to life with Jesus, and they got there in different directions. And that's what I want us to learn and discover, is in the end, we want people to experience life in Jesus. How we get there it changed on how Jesus got there, but he led them along. So four things I see in Jesus I think that you and I can grow in. We can grow in this. And I pray that as a result of the series and the summer and all that we're doing, that we'll take steps of growth. Write them down. Four things that we can increase our spiritual conversations. Number one, start where people are. This sounds so ridiculously simple, but sometimes we just assume. We, because we know so much, we assume that people actually know the story of God, that they know that God has revealed himself. And I have to remind myself, I am called, like Jesus, who knows all things, he starts where the woman is. With Nicodemus, he starts with the Bible because Nicodemus knows the Bible. And he starts with water and illustration with the woman. Doesn't it start at the same spot? In the end, Jesus reveals the truth. I am the Messiah and in the end, he get, reveals the truth about the Messiah to Nicodemus. God loved the world so much, he's going to bring eternal life through me. But I need to learn to start where people are and not expect that they rise up to where I am. And this is going to take some thought. So a spiritual conversation doesn't necessarily always start in the Bible. It starts by finding out where people are and what they know and seeing how eager they are to listen to something new. I can do that as a Jesus follower. As a matter of fact, that's what it means to love my neighbor. To love my neighbor is to not expect that they're going to come to church and start following Jesus, but to hear what they know about God and start there. Second thing is we want to listen to what people are saying. If you notice the subtleties in both conversations, Jesus is listening to what they're saying and what they're meaning, what they're asking and what they're really going for. And so he becomes a good listener. He, he helps Nicodemus to understand what it means to walk in this power and live in the kingdom of God. It's the Holy Spirit. 
that God sent the Son so that we would be made born anew and be given the Holy Spirit in full, that you can live out the Bible, Nicodemus. You can live it out if you're given new life, but it takes a new life full of the Holy Spirit to actually live out the Bible. And Nicodemus didn't know that yet, but Jesus takes him along. And for the, for the woman, talk about an extension of grace for a Jewish male teacher to spend time with this lady and hear her story. If we kept reading, we won't. Um, he ends up convincing her that he's someone. She goes back to the town and she says to the townspeople, come who, to, to hear a man who told me everything about me. And they come out. And what happens? At the end of the day, Jesus is willing to mix his plans up because he planned to keep walking. But they said, please stay. And he stays two more days. Jesus cancels meetings. Think about that. Jesus changes his flight plans. Jesus adjusts because there's an open door of receptivity. It's funny. He's going to the land of the Jews who are going to reject him. But in the land of Samaritans, he finds a group of people who are open. You never know. And some of the people you think are going to be most open are going to be closed. But some of the people you think, they're not interested at all. They may be more open than you think. And Jesus responds to these by listening. And then when we're there and we're in conversation, we can actually address the questions people have with what's true. Third thing I definitely see in Jesus as a master, and I'm learning, and I think we all can grow, is ask open questions. Ask Questions that don't require yes or no. Do you believe the Bible's true? Well, I just pegged you in a corner. What do you think about the Bible? I, I asked the same thing. I want you, well, I think it's just a book. Why? Why is it just, it's interesting. This book has been read and printed more than anything in all of human literature. What do you think about the Bible is so intriguing? Well, I don't know, but I don't believe any of it. Okay. How much of it have you read? I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm where you're at. Have, have you ever had a chance to read? Did any of it make sense? Where did you start? You know, like, I, I just want to get people where they are and ask them questions because most often with Jesus, people give Jesus everything he needs to know. <laughs> it's funny. He, 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 they, they give him everything he needs to know. And we learn and we, we ask the open question, listening to what people are saying. Now, sometimes it's revolutionary, like the Samaritan woman, and Jesus says, you've had five husbands. And it wouldn't be nice to have that kind of ability. Like, that's very helpful. You know, uh, go find your husband. And here's what I think we see in Jesus. Jesus knows what he knows because the Holy Spirit is fully at work in his life. And I'm here to suggest to you, you're not Jesus, but you have the same spirit of Jesus. And do you know, as you engage in conversation, God will give you what you need. Whatever you need to know, he doesn't give the whole background of Nicodemus, does he? But whatever you need to know to make that scenario inviting, to bring that person closer to Jesus, Jesus, it's in his best interest to give you, his disciple, what you need to know. And so sometimes it's natural in the sense of you start asking questions and then he's like, wow, that was a good question. I didn't think, you're like, wow, I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll. No, that's the Holy Spirit guiding your mind and your thoughts. Other times, and this has happened, God will give you insight. There's no way you would know with the goal 
of getting their attention and helping them see that Jesus is looking for them. And that's happened, that's happened here. Um, I've shared it before, but it happened here within the last year. Right before I got up to share one Sunday, it, there was just this word, I believe it was just from the Holy Spirit, about a, a young guy in, our, in the gathering. In my sense, I didn't say it like, he's got to be new. But he, he's smoking marijuana, trying to get a spiritual high and encounter God. Now, lots of people smoking weed. Okay, that's another story. But that you're smoking, trying to encounter Jesus. And Jesus wants you to know you don't need to do that. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will reveal the heart of God. So you just need to know he knows you and you don't need to do that. And at the end of the gathering, I had an email in my inbox from a guy that that was exactly his scenario. And so much so, he had graduated from a Christian school, had given up on Jesus, but was high with his friends and had a kind of a reading the Bible, high, had like a, kind of an encounter of some sort. Personally, I think it was demonic. I don't think it was Jesus at all. But it, it intrigued him. So he's like, oh, I'll just smoke and read the Bible because I'll get to know God this way. It was his first time in this church. He was here because he was interested in a girl who said, I won't go out with you, but if you want to come to church with me, that's cool. And so he showed up. He left freaked out, freaked out. I said, okay, can we meet next Sunday? And we met with him after the gathering next Sunday. His first question was, how did you know that? I was like, I didn't, I didn't know that. How did you? I, I'm telling you, I didn't know that. But I think God loves you so much. He's trying to get your attention if he would tell me about your life. He's like, did he tell you anything else? That's exactly what he said. I'm like, no. And I didn't need to know any, I didn't need to know anything else. But I was like, bro, this has happened a few times in my life. I would take that as a sign that Jesus loves you and knows how to get your attention. And, and, and he was baptized a couple of weeks later and he's growing in a church that's close to his home. All that to say, when we see what happens in the life of Jesus, we're not Jesus, but we're his followers. So whether we think it just came in my mind or that's the Holy Spirit, frankly, I don't care. Listen and ask good questions. That's like Jesus. Finally, number four, be patient. Don't be discouraged if you're sharing. These encounters are discouraging because they happen in like three paragraphs, right? Like, man, if this, this could happen over the period of a year. This could happen over the period of five years. When it comes to engaging with people, Jesus is longing to love them more than they realize it. And if I keep going, keep encouraging, and if you hit a wall where like, I don't want to talk about Jesus, stop. Continuing isn't helpful. But stopping for the moment to pray and asking God for the open door, you never know when the door opens again. So we're in it for the long haul. Being a neighbor is not a momentary thing, is it? It's God positioning you at the right place, at the right time, with the right people, because he loves them. So let's learn to ask open questions and be patient. All right, as a church, we're gonna respond in worship in a second, but as a church, we actually wanna help in this regard. So we planned this series, not haphazardly, we planned it to lead up to this small event we're doing at Hillsborough Stadium uh, on August the 12th. And so you're going to hear about it every single week because we love you. And this week I want to highlight a way to open a conversation. We have printed 100,000, 100,000, and I'm willing to print more tomorrow if you give them all out. 
100,000 of these little invite cards. They're small. They're pocket cards. You could just, I don't have a pocket, but I, I got a back pocket. I can keep them with me. I can keep them in my car. And you're going to go grab a coffee, give a nice, generous tip to the barista, and invite them to a free concert. You're going to go out to eat, give a very generous tip, and throw it in there with the receipt afterwards. After you sign it with a smiley face and a generous tip, just throw it, throw it in there. You're going to get gas. Thank, thank you so much for your help. Hey, I'm, I'm a part of something. I'm putting on a concert. Just, I'm putting on a concert. You are, right? You are, you're part of this. And, and, and hand them out. Uh, you go, you're walking in your neighborhood. You're walking the dog. Keep them in your pocket. You never know. There's another dog. Oh, your dog's so cute. Here, you're invited. And invite, invite. Here's what will happen. This is a non-religiously-oriented like, card. Good news today, a website, a couple of business logos, what's happening on the back. And we're supporting Oregon Food Bank. So you can come to the event and bring non-perishable goods to help feed those in hunger in Washington County. It's a good thing. I don't think the word Jesus is on here. If not, we'll have to reprint them because we've got, got to be subtle. No, it's just, it's just an invite. But it could lead to a conversation about Jesus. It could open, it could open a door. Now it's risky because there are some people maybe that you know for a long time and Jesus hasn't come up. Like, oh, I am 12 years in this relationship and Jesus has been a quiet partner. Here's what you do. Forget the past and just be free and invite somebody. Like, just be free. Invite them. And okay, that's part of it. So we're inviters. We're welcoming people. Chick-fil-A is one of the sponsors, is putting it in every bag in their drive-thru and every tray for a month. How about this? Um, that, could, that could be twenty-five to 30,000. Could be. And if you buy more chicken, it could be 40,000, right? Uh, so they're going to do their, but that's just their part. They didn't have to, but they, they service people. So they're saying, we're going to let people know we're behind this event. Now, you may not have that kind of influence. Who cares? You influence two people. That's all that makes a difference. Neighbor to the left, neighbor to the right. That's it. Everyone doing their part, that's what being a neighbor is. Second thing, and this is actually more exciting. You're like, Jose, I want to talk to people about Jesus, but this is not, I don't have open doors. We're going to set you up. At the event, I'm going to share the gospel, invite people to publicly walk to a place where they're going to be given a book that I just wrote. It's going to be printed called Good News Today and Tomorrow. And so if you want to take your next step in following Jesus, I want to put something in your hands. i got a buddy of mine that's going to put it in your hands. I want you to walk right over to this blue flag to my left and to my right. I'm telling you exactly what's going to happen. And they're going to be some of my friends over there. They're going to just say hello to you. They're going to give you this gift. They're going to connect with you. Come, come visit one of my friends. You can do that. You can actually talk to someone who's heard the good news and is responding in some way. It's like the easiest setup to do that go to and write, write down this website, goodnewstoday.world slash prayer team. Write it down. I don't see anybody writing. Take your phone out, click it. It is up there. Write it down. Here's why. You're not going to see it from our website. It's hidden. It's a hidden page. I don't want everyone knowing about it. The prayer team is simply those who are going to respond when people say, I want to follow or recommit my life to Jesus. On that website, I need you to go there. You could download the PDF of what you're going to go over. Then I did a video that you could only get from that site. It's hidden everywhere else. And it's a training on how to help have a spiritual conversation with someone. 
So I'm not just saying love your neighbor, good luck. We're trying to like invest in you. And rather than doing a special meeting, we realize it's summer and all of you are gone. So you can, you're going, you're going to somewhere where there's just Wi-Fi. You go on a vacation, take 45 minutes, download it, give yourself some spiritual nourishment, prepare yourself. And if you forget it the day before, watch it again. And then sign up. Here's the key. The third thing on that website is you have to sign up your name, your church information. We'll send everyone who signs up an email reminder where to park, where to go. We'll have prayer for you beforehand, final instructions. We're like taking this seriously. Only people who do this training will be given information. And we want 500 to 750 people trained. Why? How many people are going to respond? I have no idea. It could be 10. There could be 10. It could be a thousand. Wouldn't shock me. So wouldn't it be terrible if we said, come to follow Jesus, come meet my friends. All seven of you are like dishing out books and throwing them in cases. We want you to be a part of what Jesus is doing. This is what it means to be a neighbor. A neighbor loves, a neighbor is inconvenienced, a neighbor listens, and a neighbor speaks, right? You could do this. I know, so we're like, I can't. You could do it. When in doubt, watch it and take the training. And if at the last moment, fear grips your soul after you bind it, if, if, if you never come down, never serve, that's okay. You took a step. And God will open the door, all right? You could do this, all right? Why don't you stand on your feet? Now that I've scared you half to death, and um, now let's worship Jesus because we need His Spirit to fill us. Holy Spirit of God, who do you want us to talk to today? Who do you want us to hand out an invite card to today? Jesus, we're expecting you to move. We're asking you to move. Use us, we pray in your name. Amen. When you walk out, there are going to be loads of these. Someone's going to give it to you at the door and stacks of them on the brown table right out that entryway. And I ask you to pick up a stack and by faith, be a neighbor.